Welcome! This is Ashley, and I'm glad you're back for the second episode of Mentor Chat. I'm also here with Michelle. We gave a little teaser in episode one that we'd be bringing in and interviewing some experts, and I am super excited that our first guest is Dana Winters, the executive director of the Fred Rogers Center, who's here to tell us a bit more about her work and discuss the importance of everyday mentoring. All right, so thanks again for being here. We were hoping that you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Dana, and your work at the Fred Rogers Center. Sure. Uh, So I'm Dana Winters. I am the executive director of the Fred Rogers Center for Early Learning and Children's Media, and that's located at St. Vincent College. I'm also a professor of uh, arts, humanities, and social sciences here at the college. Uh, So the center was envisioned by Fred Rogers Um, when he was ending his time in television in the late 90s. He knew he wanted to continue to serve children and families and children's helpers. He wanted to do this on a college campus. He wanted to teach. So while Fred envisioned the center, he didn't um, plan to work directly with children. And that is part of the legacy that we have kept intact is we do not work directly with children and young people. We work with children and young people's helpers. So families or trusted adults who work in support of children and young people. So we like to say that we invest in the strength that families and trusted adults have to support the healthy development of children and young people. We like to call it helping the helpers. Of course, the helpers is a, an homage to Fred. who That was one of the terms that he used quite often to talk about the, the trusted adults in children's lives. What does the work with the helpers look like or how do you support people to better support and to help young people? What does that kind of look like? Sure. So everything that we do at the Fred Rogers Center obviously is directly tied to the lasting philosophy of Fred Rogers. And one of the the guiding principles for all of our work is when Fred said that it is through relationships that we learn best and grow best. Uh, Fred wasn't just talking about children. He was talking about adults and human development. And so one of the lead initiatives that we have here at the center, Simple Interactions, it does just that. It highlights the importance of interactions and relationships in supporting children's development. And so that doesn't mean just the interactions and relationships between an adult and a child, but it means the same between the adults who might be supporting that environment, or maybe it's between institutions that are supporting the environment where children are developing that all of those interaction touch points and relationships around a child's development are instrumental to the ways that that child develops. So when we work with helpers, we talk about the importance of interactions. We talk about the importance of relationships because that's the foundation for all of human development. Um, On the other side, we also, everything we do, we like to think back to uh, when Fred talked about the deep and simple is far more essential than the shallow and complex. And what that means is all of our work in service of children or in service of families or maybe in service of other helpers, what is deep and simple about that work? A lot of human services and education work can seem rather complex at times and sometimes unnecessarily complex. So how do we remember what is deep and simple? Not you know, we can think back to what Fred did through Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and the importance of childhood in really simple ways. 
And that's not something that dies when we, when we cease to be children. And it's not childish of us to return to that simplicity. Uh, so that's something that we talk about quite often is that we're, at times we're overcomplicating what it means to help others when we can really rely on that space between us as, as the most important thing. Wow, that was beautifully stated, Dana. You mentioned the work with helpers, right? Investing in the strength that they already have encompassed. And that really resonates in thinking about our work specifically around everyday mentoring, right? And, and really what it is, is to help the caring adults um, that are working with young people really see themselves as somebody who could be mentor-like in that role. So being a teacher or an out-of-school time provider or a sports coach, right, that they see themselves and they embody this mentor mindset to really just enhance those connections, right, that they already have with young people. When I first met you in in the work that you all were doing with Simple Interactions, it was like a genius way to be able to shed light on helping someone see those strengths. I know when delivering like everyday mentoring training in schools specifically, I find that teachers and administrators find the content and the conversation refreshing because I, I believe those are the things that they begin to do innately, but don't stop to say, hey, this is making a big difference because there's so many outcomes that we have to report on that we're, we're not catching people doing good. So I think Simple Interactions does just that. It catches people in their environment, highlighting what they're already doing, giving them strengths to just even expand on that. So can you tell us a little bit more about like the process of Simple Interactions and, and what that would look like in practice? Sure. So Michelle, you mentioned, um, you know, catching people doing what they're already doing, helping them to see. We like to say helping to bring intention to intuition. So something they might be doing and it's just it's just what they do. You know, they don't realize how good it is sometimes. So the work of simple interactions is really that. It is not coming in with some type of prescription to build strong relationships, but rather it's an attempt to describe what is already happening in an effort to grow more from what is good. So it's, it's strengths focused to its core that we will come in and sometimes we'll observe or you know when we do traditional simple interactions process, we record interaction moments. And then we show those interaction moments back to the helpers to show them the strength in their practice. And quite often what we hear is either I don't remember that moment. Those things happen all the time. I don't know. Is that really that special? Or two, I didn't know what I was doing was right. It's just what I did. And we hear that overwhelmingly because you're right. These are not moments that typically educators or um, you know, teachers within a formal setting or informal setting or helpers who might not see themselves as helpers, they don't know their own practice because they don't have the opportunity to know their own relational practice. The days are too busy. The days get really long and it's hard to slow down and think about really small moments that are having a deep impact on children and young people. And sometimes those small moments, uh, you know, Michelle, you and I met working with crossing guards in the city of Pittsburgh and 
Um, you know, some of those moments lasted five or 10 seconds and they were as simple as a good morning. I hope you have a good day. And while that might seem simple for us, it was very deeply felt by children and young people. I mean, to the, to the point that children would come over to me and ask me why I was recording a crossing guard, of course. And when I said, well, what do you think of your crossing guard? And they would tell me stories about how maybe they'd taken a day off and their entire day, the children didn't know what to do because they didn't have that consistency in the, mor- in the morning of a good morning, hello, how are you? A simple smile. That this is what is meant by simple interactions and the deep and simple being far more essential than the shallow and complex. Those are the moments we take with us. Those are the moments that we feel the true power of a relationship, even if that relationship is built five or 10 seconds at a time. I love that you bring up that relationship with the crossing guards and how we partner to catch those moments through simple interactions and to deliver the everyday mentoring training. I think when you and I met, um, it was it was about time flies, but it was around the time when my uh, youngest was starting school. And I remember the crossing guard at that time would greet all of the kids by name. And I'm like, how does he remember everybody's name? When you say like, those are the small things that you take with you. Fast forward three years later, he had relocated to a different building. And that morning, They were looking for him because it was the good morning by name that was so important to them and then would ask specific questions like those are short, very short interactions in the morning and after school. But it was around that time you're like, wow, that's something they took with him. They look forward to greeting him in the morning and when school was out and they noticed right away when when he wasn't there. So it is so important. Like we think, oh, these short interactions, who's catching that? But the kids are paying attention. Me as a parent, like that really stood out because that stood out to them. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said, who's catching that? Because we think so much about teachable moments that we forget that some of life's best lessons are caught, not taught, that children are catching so many of the interactions directly with them and around them that, again, seems simple and mundane, but they're stringing those together to create an, an inner narrative of what it means to interact with others. So even in five seconds, you know, when we talk about simple interactions, we use a very simple one-page tool to describe what's happening in interactions. And we can do that in five or 10 seconds. We can see, number one, a sense of connection, what it means to be emotionally engaged. You know, and a simple good morning and a shared smile, that's a connection point. We see, number two, reciprocity, which is, you know, we've got roles to play within an interaction. How are we sharing that power? And by having a reciprocal, good morning, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? It might seem just a simple ping pong, but that's, that's reciprocity in the making right there. Third is inclusion. That you said every child was seen and heard and appreciated by name. Think of what that does for children who may be historically excluded from interactions like that or may have a difficult time interacting with others, that that support is there to say, good morning, Michelle, how are you? That that's a tool of inclusion right there, even in a short moment. And then finally, opportunity to grow. In five or 10 seconds, we're growing conversational ability. We're growing self-confidence. We're growing the ability to engage with others in a way that 
is building a relationship. And so when people say, oh, you know, it's so simple. It's only five seconds. What's the meaning behind that? There's a lot of meaning behind that. In five seconds, we can contribute to the learning and growing and development of children. I like that you gave some tangible actions for people in there. You talked some about reactions that people have had to seeing themselves. What kind of impacts have you seen or have captured from those who are going through the simple interactions, but also from the young people, from the receiving end of some of these helpers? Sure. So um, we have seen for the adults who are a part of this, we've seen a decreased level of depression in the workplace. And we've also seen an increase in psychological safety and well-being within the workplace. Um, one, because they have a community of peers, but two, also because they're, they're focusing in on things that they're doing well in relational spaces and something that they have a lot of agency in how they can continue. So those have been um, two of the strongest findings that we've found for the adult participants. Of course, there are increases in self-efficacy and collective efficacy and confidence and relational practice. And then for, for children and young people, it's very much that kind of intangible, immeasurable, I feel appreciated, I feel seen, I feel heard, um, I feel included. And that goes a long way when we think of um, you know, some of our work in bringing together math and social emotional learning is that those relationships were key to young children persisting in difficult math because they knew they had a trusted somebody to go to to say, I don't, I don't get this. Can you help me? Um, there was an increase in help-seeking behaviors in some of our work, especially in early childhood environments. Because again, when you have that trusted safe place, you're more likely to reach out for help. You're more, re you're more likely to persist when things are difficult instead of maybe quitting or independently trying to find the answer. So it's that the children began reciprocating much of that relational practice to the point that they would engage and begin the relational practice. Those are really incredible outcomes. I love that because in thinking about our work of everyday mentoring and embodying this mentoring mindset, like mentor comes with, it, sometimes it could be loaded for individuals like that sure. term and not understanding like how they can make that mentor life difference or what that's going to look like. And, but it is truly just relational providing that the empathy support your presence, you know, how we care and how we engage and how we embrace it's that intentionality behind that relationship. That being said, you mentioned at the start of our conversation that you're also a professor. And I was curious as to how you kind of employ this everyday mentoring, simple interactions mentality with the students that you work with from a, a faculty student perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that relational space is incredibly important. Uh, and I, I think even, you know, as a professor and even as a mom, when things don't feel right at home or things don't feel right in my classroom, chances are it's because there's something off in that relational space, that those interactions are just not working the way I would hope. Or maybe I'm not being as intentional as I could be. I'm not focusing in on that enough. Um, and it's, you know, to the point where you know, maybe something, of course, content I'm delivering isn't quite getting through. And we'll all do a pause and rewind and talk about, you know, what's going on that this isn't getting through? Is it, it's difficult material? 
Is it somebody got a, had a fight last night with a friend? Is, there's so many reasons why. And that's where, you know, as, as a professor, there's obviously boundaries that we keep. But there's also pushing against some of those boundaries to have conversations about learning in the classroom that transcend the classroom, especially on a college campus. I would say that there's a lot of learning that goes on in classrooms. There's an awful lot of learning that goes on beyond our classroom walls as well. And some of that learning comes into our classrooms and it affects what's going on within that work. Um, so that relational space is important. I think the number one thing is with the content is to see what sparks for our students and to allow multiple modes of engagement around those sparks, which is very much what it means to be a mentor, right? You're looking for that spark, that entry point, that place that we can relate and finding multiple modes to serve that to grow a relationship. Same things in a classroom, even with 25 students in a class, I can tell what sparks the interest of each of my students. And it's because you know, we, we don't leave half of our identity at the door as we walk in as teachers, that comes with us. And so I will share with them about my own experience. They will share with me about theirs. And I think it makes for a stronger classroom relationship, even if we're talking about something that doesn't seem you know, at the, at the, the first glance to be relational. It's everywhere. And I think it helps them as they transition out of my classroom or out of St. Vincent to understand the world around them even better. That this was not just something we learned from a book, that this transcends that because it is, you know, at its core, it is relational as well. You know, uh, a popular thing in education right now and youth serving organizations um, in terms of relational or like relationships, people have talked a lot about youth voice and incorporating youth voice um, into classrooms and into programs in order to improve those relationships and sometimes shift power dynamics and create like a more inclusive space. What strategies do you use in your classroom to incorporate that youth voice? It, it is such an important part, I think on, on college campuses especially, because we're dealing with that critical developmental time of emerging adulthood where we're, we're helping students as they transition to adulthood, find that voice in a way that they can use that voice at the, the greatest impact possible. Um, so between my classroom and then I run a lab on campus also, there's you know, varying degrees to where that youth voice can be really crucial to our process of learning. In the classroom, um, I, uh, I shy away from giving anybody a full semester's worth of a syllabus. I have a guide but we co-create our learning and co-create that classroom. So after a few weeks, we'll check in and say like, you know, is this where we're headed? Is this where we should be headed? We have content that we have to cover because that's a part of, of being in a college classroom. There's, there's a content that we have, but there's different ways to cover that content. And then I always leave the last week of every unit available for the, the students to guide where that goes. So maybe we had a topic that we weren't able to dive into as deeply as they'd hoped. I will tell you every course that I teach repeatedly, that last week is different every single time. And it's not something that I can predict. And I don't think it's fair for me to predict it. This is their learning experience too. I want them to take ownership and learning, which means they also have to take co-ownership in the creation of that learning. Uh, in the lab, we run it the same way. 
Um, there are not a lot of places that allow students to have real world interactions with funders or with partners in developing projects. Typically when you hear an, an undergraduate lab, you know, they're doing the work and then we're taking the glory. And we don't really take that approach here. Um, the students come alongside when we present back to funders. The students come alongside um, to have their name listed on what it is that we do. If they are you know, working on some of the work that we do internationally, then we do our best to take them with us so they can see it firsthand. Um, and that's something that I think is, is important to that experience because it's not that they're experiencing the world through their professors, they're experiencing it firsthand. And they're able to be able to, to take their own interpretation of that experience, not through the lens of someone else, but through their own lens. And it makes our work even better because they're coming up with ideas that I wouldn't think of. Sometimes they use a language that I don't understand either, but they're, they're keeping me up to date with the dictionary. But I, I say sometimes they're either keeping me young or aging me significantly. I can't quite tell all the time, but their ideas are a way for us to see our work differently because work isn't static. It's dynamic and it's growing and they are uh, incredible contributors to that process. And that folks is everyday mentoring at its finest. I think what you just shared is amazing because in, in being able to show how you share power, right? And I'm, I'm using search institutes language here, share power and expand possibilities for young people. It feels a little, or I would imagine a little unsettling to not be predictable in a faculty student relationship um, because there's something about as a faculty member having that control, right? There are, like you said, some deliverables that you have to report out on, but being able to create that space and respect the students as a part of the learning process. It's their learning process. It's, it's, it needs to be individualized as well as collective. That requires, I mean, I would imagine some uncertainty on your end, right? Like you said, each class, albeit the same maybe topic, it, it's different. The outcomes are different based on that being a shared relationship. And that, that really is everyday mentoring. So kudos to you for being able to allow that to be your teaching pedagogy. I don't think that's something that comes easily. It shows your intention and your flexibility to allow that to happen. Um, and I've seen at times where, you know, even in my personal experiences that it didn't happen. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, I will admit it's, um, it's not always comfortable. But I don't think that learning should be comfortable either for on either side. I think that some discomfort is that's where we grow. Right. And so there's discomfort on both sides. When I ask for that feedback from students, there's very much like a deer in the headlights kind of look of you. Wait, you want what from me? But toward the end, they, they start to appreciate it. I think it's it's a, a, an exchange of power that doesn't happen often. Uh, and I won't say that I've always done it well. But I think the discomfort is absolutely worth it for our students to grow. Hi, everyone. Sally Wigan here. You're tuning in to this Mentor Chat podcast because you have an interest in mentoring, right? Well, so do I. I'm an honor board member of the Mentoring Partnership and have been involved with the organization for years. I've seen the power of mentoring firsthand, both in my own life and in the lives of those close to me. The sky's the limit when young people have caring adults 
who believe in them and empower them to dream big. Mentoring truly has a magic all its own, which is why we're so excited for our Magic of Mentoring event on October 26th. Join us at Heinz Field as we celebrate all the amazing mentoring in our community and those who make it happen. Programs, volunteers, and community organizations who support critical mentoring connections for kids. We're also thrilled to recognize mentoring champions William Strickland of Manchester Bidwell Corporation and Douglas McPhail of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management. Visit mentoringpittsburgh.org for event details and information on tickets, sponsorships, and more. I hope you'll join us for what is sure to be a magical night for all. One of the questions to leave you with is if you would be willing to share a personal mentoring story. I'd love to. Um, one of my, my greatest mentors through my middle school and high school years was my seventh grade basketball coach who cut me from the team. So first interactions I really had with Coach Mack was her telling me that I needed my coordination to catch up with my height. And to you know, keep on trying, and I didn't make the seventh grade team. I was, oh, it was just terrible. I was so upset. Um, but Coach Mack kept an eye on me. So she would check in on me in the summers. She showed up at a couple of camps that I attended. Um, we went to the same church. I would see her in church, and she'd ask me about my game. And in eighth grade, I made the team. And I was willing to go back out for the team because I felt a connection with Coach Mack. But it was beyond basketball that I felt that connection. It was um, Coach Mack saw me as more than a player. She saw me as more than a, you know, a kid that couldn't chew gum and walk at the same time at the age of 12. But she saw me and what I needed inside to be able to persist and keep growing in the game of basketball. Um, when I moved into the high school years, she actually then had a job at the high school and we stayed in contact and it was never about sports. It was always about, um, you know, anything that happened to be going on in my life. And she was at my wedding. Um, she, uh, that connection lasted that long. And it was because it was one of the first times that I remember feeling truly seen for who I was more than just the way that I presented to her because I presented to her as a potential basketball player. Uh, I don't know that she would ever say that that was the most salient part of my identity. And even now I, I wonder if she remembers cutting me, but our relationship grew from just that moment because she was will see beyond and not lose sight of that. Thank you for sharing that. I think we've realized over talking with people and even amongst ourselves, a lot of the adults who have been mentors to us may not necessarily realize it. And I think like what you said, the simple interactions, they don't always realize the impact that we're having, but then we carry those stories with us. We want to thank you for joining us and talking with us and telling us about your work. And also thank you for the work that you're doing. It's obvious the impacts are being seen and they're being felt. We really appreciate all that you do and all that the Fred Rogers Center does. And yeah, thanks for, for joining us. We've loved chatting with you about it all. Thank you very much. I've appreciated our conversation today. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. One statement that our guest said that really resonated with me is, some of life's best lessons are caught, not taught. 
For this week's Stay Inspired, I want to challenge listeners to pay attention to lessons that you may be imparting to young people through your interactions. Try to be intentional with each interaction. Offer a smile or a kind word, greet a kiddo by their name, or ask about something they show interest in. If you notice a colleague, a parent, or even a friend having a short yet impactful exchange with a young person, let them know. We can all benefit from being seen. Mentor Chat is written, produced, and hosted by Michelle Thomas and Ashley Wineland with the mentoring partnership of Southwestern Pennsylvania. Our music is Cheery Monday by Kevin MacLeod. Special thank yous to Kristen Allen and the mentoring partnership team. Thank you to Dana Winters at the Fred Rogers Center. For more information about us and mentoring, take a look at this episode's show notes and visit the Mentoring Partnerships website at www.mentoringpittsburgh.org.